You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the It's Always Draft Season podcast, part of the Packernet Podcast Network. Jake Shavink here with you guys on this lovely Friday. It is college football championship weekend, conference championship weekend, that is, where we will figure out the four playoff teams, and it might not be super clear, uh, which is a little bit exciting. There's a lot of ways that someone's going to be really salty that they're left out, and that makes it all the more interesting. So on today's uh, agenda, we're obviously going to be diving into those five games from a draft perspective. There are some pretty good matchups. I think that people should be uh, people should be eyeing in these games, uh, if not from just a Packers perspective, from a draft perspective as a whole. We're going to dive into the Carolina Panthers experience a little bit here, and as well as some draft. Uh, draft classes to this point that have been exceeding expectations in year one just ones that I wanted to point out a little bit obviously we'll have a more comprehensive look at this uh, at NFL season's end but just wanted to check in there and then of course we're going to go through I think what what will be really interesting is Brugler's Dane Brugler's first mock draft of the cycle because he often has info from teams Right, he, he's more plugged in than the, the average mock drafter, of course. So I think it matters what he has to say and what, what you see uh, in his mocks, for sure. So we're going to dive into that. But first, I want to get into the NFL side of things here and just talk about the Carolina Panthers for a second. Obviously, some important comments from David Tepper this week talking about, you know, Bryce was our guy. Right, even though I think a lot of people, you know, remember the three-way trade that was supposedly in place, right, where Houston was going to take Bryce Young at one, Carolina would be at two, and then Chicago would go back to nine, where they, where they did pick, of course, uh, back in April. But I think it's just interesting how how one decision can can maybe just completely derail a franchise. And obviously another gets, you know, a huge boost from it. And that three team deal falling through looks enormous for the Houston Texans right now. And of course you have the Panthers who have now fired Frank Reich. They fired uh, Josh McCown. And I think they fired one other coach where it seems like at least no guarantees, but it's possible that that contingent who was fired wanted Stroud over young. And I know, you know, there are a lot of receipts. People are pulling up uh, there. I was always on Stroud QB1, and there were definitely some of those. There's no doubt about it. I, I don't think it was necessarily, you know, a, a bold take to have Stroud at, at QB1. I think it was a little more bold to maybe have, like, Will Levis as your QB1, right? But I think genuinely, I, I, genuinely, I, I do think that the general consensus was those two, Young and Stroud, were pretty close, and, and you could maybe rank either one of them ahead of the other. Carolina makes the decision, and they take Bryce Young first. Now, I do think Carolina, in recent drafts, it's been a bit of a struggle, and I think that has played into the situation they're sitting in right now, not just the selection of Bryce Young. It's very difficult to evaluate Bryce Young right now. He has had to sometimes want to just kind of take over and kind of do his own thing. That's been a struggle. The offense has been a struggle from really from day one right he's not it, it looks there are some things that that have been really dreadful um probably half of his picks have been returned for touchdowns i think uh obviously he had a couple against the colts but like it just hasn't been it has not been clean uh he just doesn't look comfortable and i think that a lot of that does come from what's around him as well but his play certainly has not been up to snuff for a number one overall pick and you know, I think that's maybe why you go back to the drawing board and think for a second, you know, maybe the smalls at QB 
maybe we don't do this. Maybe we, you know, stop trying to make it happen where it's just like, okay, it's going to be, you know, few and far between that you get guys like this, like a Russ, like a Drew Brees, and maybe Young just can't hack it. And it, it's certainly looking that way to this point, right? A, a Andy Dalton played well enough against Seattle. Uh, and Young just hasn't played well to this point. But I think also if you look at kind of where this this build started a little bit and you look at, okay, like acquisition of, of Darnold and kind of where they went from from that, right, with, with Matt Rule there and like if you go back to i think the 2019 and 2020 we're not not to go too far back but like there's obviously some still some players from 2018 still on the roster but you lose dj Moore, that really hurts you right you know you draft this guy who from all intents and purposes is a wide receiver one and, and he certainly plays that way uh, i think the if you're if the jury was still out it shouldn't be anymore is he a top 10 receiver no but he's he's a good one uh to have in your offense went deep down the field, went after the catch, right? It, he's proven that that explosiveness matters in, in a playmaker, and I think that's why, you know, we'll talk so heavily about Malik Neighbors down the road a little bit. But, like, you look at what they've done after that, right? Like, the first round in 19 and 20, Brian Burns, Derek Brown, good picks, right? Derek Brown has, has really figured it out this year. He looks really, really good. Burns, you can – Jury can be out or not if you want it to be 44 sacks since 2019. Uh, you know, maybe hit or miss, but like there's no doubt he impacts games. So it starts with those two. But, you know, once you go through 2019, and you look at, all right, the process isn't bad here because the, the Panthers swung at QB a couple times in the mid rounds. The problem is, right, Will Greer and Matt Corral. Will Greer in 19, Corral in 22. Nothing from either of them. But if you go to 2019 and you look at Greg Little as a second-round pick, it did not work at tackle. It, it was deemed a reach at the time. It didn't work. Okay, And with Greg Little and Will Greer being day-two picks, you have to get something out of it, and they just have not. If you go to 2020, right after Derek Brown, Yeter Gross-Matos has not been super impactful um, he, he's done, he, he's been there in spurts, but really isn't the pass rusher that I think the Panthers would have wanted him to be to this point. Jeremy Chin has been hurt a decent amount, uh, but he's definitely been valuable when he's on the field. So it's more of a box, you know, hybrid safety linebackers defender that, that operates a ton near the box. He's been fine. You know, you can look at the grades and maybe you don't think so. The coverage grades with PFF I, is a little bit of a struggle for me because I just don't, not sure they correlate well with what you see on film, but it's fine. So you, you look at chin, whatever you want to, you don't want to call that a hit. That's fine. I, I'm going to. Uh, so 2020, they, they make hits on defense. The problem is, is right. They, they Greg Little and Dennis Daly were their tackle picks in 19, nothing there. And so they go into 21, they take JC Horn over. Patrick Sertan over Rashawn Slater. Horn's been hurt. Hasn't done enough at all. It's year three. Haven't seen it. Terrence Marshall. Dreadful. Uh, just a guy who doesn't have a lot of lateral explosiveness. Right? Was smooth. Not. He wasn't really explosive per se. He was just more of a smooth player in college. And it just hasn't translated to winning it through contact. There's a lot of questions there. Tommy Tremble hasn't figured it out at tight end. It's year three. Mm, might be about time, right? They they go after Brady Christensen, who has at least played a decent amount of games to this point, 34 games, uh, and was, was deemed the player who could play multiple spots on that offensive line and certainly not been a dreadful pick, but at the same time, Again, it's tough. It's tough in the mid rounds to to nail tackle. I know Green Bay makes it look really easy uh, at times. It hasn't. He he's only played in one game this year. The grades obviously haven't been super excellent. Yeah, it's tough. It's tough there, just not being able to to hit with that. And then they went Deontay Brown, uh, a guard from Alabama. Later, nothing there either. So, so you come you, you come to this with with O line and like Cade Mays was a six round pick in twenty two. 
Ikea Kwanu, he, he was deemed that really, really tenacious, physical, athletic dominator in terms of run game. And, and he has been that. What took a major step back, pass protection has looked even worse this year. Uh, those top three picks at tackle in 2022 have really just not panned out. And so you have all these picks on the O-line and you really haven't hit on any. So that's problem one. And then two, you you haven't hit at receiver either, right? Since DJ Moore, you trade him away. You know, Marshall, we already talked about, has not been good. Uh, and, and then you go get Jonathan Mingo, who needed a ton of work. Just one of those guys that I think a lot of people were excited about. I, I tried to get excited about him. I made a video about him and just looking at like, oh, yes, there are some cool flashes here. But like he is genuinely power speed and he has to work on a lot of you know route running nuance to the position it just hasn't panned out he does not look comfortable out there he does not look impactful um it it just he seems like his head is spinning a little bit too much at receiver I and mean, when you could have you know it's easy to look at Jaden Reed now and be like man yeah he should have been you know second round pick Packers nailed it right we weren't really talking about him as much as but you look at like people who, who like Tank Dell a lot people who like Josh Downs a lot right and and having that option to get a guy who can get open and make plays instead of you know a Mingo you could, could have gone a Rasheed Rice route I know he's dropped passes but like he was a better player and like so Mingo was still just a difficult a difficult eval because there was you know he unfairly got AJ Brown comps he should never have gotten them and so and Chandler Zavala was a fourth-round pick this past year. He's been inserted into action, and it has not looked good. So it's looked worse than really anybody on that O-line. So the O-line isn't functioning well. The receivers aren't very good. Adam Thielen went on a hot streak, but like DJ Chark has not done enough as an X receiver as a vertical presence. They're just they have got to figure out how to hit at, at positions. They they cannot. They have to look at themselves, Fitterer especially, who somehow is not getting fired here, look internally, figure out why this process is not working, and, and fix it. Because now you're entering a draft here without a first-round pick. You have pick 33. That's great. Day two, you have to hit now. It's O-line and it's receiver. You can't even – you can sniff defense. You, you can best player available this stuff, right? You have space. You can go get guys. You can go look at a T. Higgins. You can go look at you know Michael Pittman Jr. perhaps. That's fine. You have to get better at receiver and O line somehow because the 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 current group on offense is not going to, is not going to get it done for Bryce Young. And and so, am I going to be frustrated if they get value at, on defense at thirty three in the draft? Maybe a little bit because I just don't think you can't stand by and look at your QB and go, okay, you know, we still believe in this guy. We got a hit on our draft picks. We especially wide receiver and O-line, which clearly have been blind spots for this for this regime right now. They got to figure it out because the last three drafts, it hasn't been good at all. Uh, you could maybe pull out Chuba Hubbard as a fourth-round pick as somebody who's contributed at least a little bit uh, when called upon. But other than that, man, it has been a struggle. You tried to retread LaVisca Chenault. It didn't work. There's work to do. They are going to have to climb themselves out of this hole. Can't wait to see how they do it. I don't know if like the idea of you know trading away Brian Burns is something they want to do. I, I don't think you necessarily want to get rid of Derek Brown. Like you can't get rid of all these good players, but at some point you have to you have to amass a little bit more of what you've lost, and it's going to take some time. Obviously, I think you have until twenty twenty five to evaluate Young, right? I think that's fair to 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 see that. But at the same time, like, you know, by 2025, where you have another first round pick again, you know, are you going to be kind of like, okay, well, you know, we like this QB. I, you know, it's very possible they do that. It seems like Tepper is very impatient. So Panthers, they got to figure something out. Uh, I went through a mock draft for them. on when was that? Um, oh, it was, I think it was on Monday. I think it was on mock draft Monday. I was like, you know, you got to start hitting a little bit more at these positions and I'm going to try and pull it up. I have to go back a little bit further. But like you get a guy like Troy Franklin, you get a guy like Xavier Leggett, 
at receiver at 33, you kind of maybe go that direction, right? Some of these guys on the interior, you look at centers, Jackson Powers, Johnson, Zach Frazier, Cedric Van Prant, Cooper Beebe, Christian Haynes, Christian Mahogany, like all these interior guys, you know, you have to start looking there. Tackle, there's going to be a lot of them. Are you going to pick one at 33? You might have to, right? Like that's, that's a possibility. So all of these things to say, like Carolina's got to figure it out. They have not been good as, as a unit, as an organization in terms of drafting. It has to change. So thoughts there on Carolina. I, I want to get to some notable drafts in 23 that I've seen some, some obviously Packers fans. I think you've seen it. We've, we've all seen it, right? Like there's a lot of progress happening here. Carl Brooks has made serious progress to this point. Dontavian Wicks and Jaden Reed look legit. Tucker Craft may be coming along a little bit. You see, you see the flashes from Musgrave. You see the flashes from Van Ness. Class is looking good, right? Carrington Valentine playing well. Anthony Johnson Jr. finally getting reps. You're seeing so much from this young unit. Colby Wooden's even flashed, right? So, like, you're seeing enough where you go, okay, if we can get, like, two or three studs out of this draft class, that is a ginormous win for this franchise. If you get two studs and, you know, six role players who are contributing important snaps, like, that is incredible for for Goody. And, And they had a lot of picks to get it done. So a lot of swings usually statistically is a better thing. But you still got to hit, and, and and he's done a really nice job. So you know, you we, we don't need to I think harp on too much on the Packers per se, but every, I think everybody's seeing it now, which is really really nice to see, and, and a nice um, maybe sort of validation for for Brian Gutekunst these last two drafts. Uh, a couple others I wanted to just highlight because I think they've they've really done well. Obviously, Houston, it matters, right? Hitting on a guy like Stroud. They moved up for Anderson. He's been good. We've, we've seen that enough. Juice Scruggs is coming back from injury. Uh, he was their pick at 61. I, I'm excited to see if he can kind of maybe start to anchor that interior O-line. They lost Titus Howard. Can they, you know, protect Stroud enough from in there? That's going to be something that I think they're going to be looking at. But like the Texans, you know, I think a lot of people are like, okay, they're going to take QB. What else are they going to do? And and like, oh, they moved up for Anderson. They they're going to trade away, you know, the the option to have a high pick next year. And it's like, yeah, well, there's still a chance that their pick coming from Cleveland is higher, and and by higher I mean better in the order than the one they're going to give Arizona. It's that's still a possibility, which is really really impressive. They've really done well this year. Tank Dell's been outstanding. He might be the best wide receiver of the rookies this year. I think he is slowly starting to pass Pukunaku, who's definitely cooled off. Texans, you know, not a lot of hits, right? Stroud, Anderson, Dell, though, it's a pretty good start uh, uh, for a draft there. So, like what they've done, I want to get to the Colts. They're right here as well. I mean, I think, obviously, jury's still out on Anthony Richardson, but you saw a lot of really nice things and what the offense can do when he's in there playing. Josh Downs is a hit already. You've, You've seen it. That's really nice. They're getting Aditamiwa Adebawore some reps, and he's looked powerful and explosive, which is really good. Really, right now, though, their, their hit right now is Jalen Jones. Seventh round, 221. Was surprised he went that late, and he's been he's been pretty impressive. I think the numbers would say, I don't remember exactly if his, like, you know, uh, what the passer rating against is pff hasn't really like given him too much of an uptick he had a really really good game against carolina um he's graded in the 60s everywhere but i believe uh he's allowed 58 percent reception percentage uh so i i do think like they're still this is pretty good that they're getting out of a a seventh round pick so that's exciting for sure yeah, he's had a couple rough patches, but he's got, you know, two games on the on the stat sheet where he's allowed under a 50% pass allowed under a passer rating under 50, and that was against Cleveland and New Orleans. Very interesting there. So, it's not easy to play corner in this league, but I I Jalen Jones done a pretty nice job. They're hoping obviously from from Julius Brents to get something and and maybe Blake Freeland, but will also important to point out Bernard Ryman has has really figured it out at tackle as well and, and their o-line looks good enough where they can go okay what do we need you know what value can we get in this draft where we're going to be picking so indy's trending in the right direction and, and they have that draft to thank i think really after that 
obviously Pittsburgh's on this list, right, of teams where you go, yeah, like they they crushed it in the draft. Everybody was high on their draft. It shouldn't be surprising that, that everybody's playing well, right? They're getting meaningful stuff out of Darnell Washington as a blocker, if not as a receiver, right? Like he hasn't really been much of a threat as a receiver. They really haven't, you know, funneled him the ball at all too much. And, and now with Fryermuth back, it's probably not going to happen, but he's been important to them. Broderick Jones has been an absolute road grader, paving the way for big rush, uh, an improved rushing attack and a rushing attack that's generated big plays. Joey Porter Jr. just has it. Like he has it. This was the kind of, I think, very much the overwhelming consensus was like, yeah, he's going to be a first round pick. He's extremely talented. There's a few things to clean up, but like he's going to be good. And he just, he fell the second round. Steelers said, thank you very much. Right. And they, they took him there. So, I mean, the Broderick Jones, Joey Porter Jr., Keanu Benton, who's flashed as a defensive lineman, pass rusher, they've been kind of moving him around a little bit, and Darnell Washington, that's a great, you know, one, two, three, four punch there. Nick Herbig, obviously, is interesting because he's 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 got that designated pass rush tab to him. They're not going to see anything out of Corey Trice this year. He went, he, he went down with injury, but it's delivering like, like many thought it would, right? You look at Seattle, they're getting, you know, offensively, JSN's coming along. Um I get it, Packers fans. I, I think you can you can dunk on all the stuff about JSN. No JSN in the first. I really don't care for it because he's finding it. And the offense took a step against Dallas. They clearly found something, and, and JSN matters to that offense. So he's not going anywhere. You'll be hearing his name plenty. And, and Devin Witherspoon's a stud. Charbonnet, I think, is interesting because I think you look at him and you go, the, the numbers haven't been good. The statue hasn't been good. I think it's I think it's like a very much a you know a an AJ Dillon thing where it's kind of like uh, he's had, he's trying to do a lot because he knows the O line isn't very good in front of him, so he gets into this like very happy feet you know trying to process everything at once mode instead of hitting the hole a lot, but he is still generating a pretty good clip after contact per attempt, which is really good, and he's obviously a talented pass catcher. They got him in space last night, threw him a screen, takes it for thirty nine. Like he matters there. Oluoluatimi, if not uh, the long-term answer at center, is going to provide depth. And they still haven't seen a lot from Derek Hall, but I think they will at some point. And again, Kenny McIntosh. We've talked we talked a lot about a lot about him last cycle as this kind of like, okay, he's going day three probably, but like talented pass catcher, explosive player that Georgia got in a lot of favorable situations that let him cook. And Seattle's got stuff to build on. It'll be interesting to see if they, you know have any cause to kind of move on from Gino or maybe just kind of plan for the future in that role. But Seattle's been fine. Their draft is, their draft is very solid. Uh, I want to highlight the Rams too, really quick as well, just because uh, another team like green Bay really young right now. And they're young with, you know, Cooper cup and Matt Stafford occupying a ton of snaps on offense, right? They're still very young. But they had, I think they had more swings than the Packers did. And it's looking good, right? Steve Avila, the O-line grades, whatever. I'm not too concerned. You've seen the flashes from him. And he, he's playing pretty well considering he doesn't have a lot of help around him, right? The, you know, guards, I think, can be helped a little bit by their tackles, you know, in the centers if, if they're, you know, experienced and talented. Like, you can kind of help your guys out. He's kind of been on an island kind of doing it. Him and him and Dotson, I think, have been really good at guard for the Rams. They just don't have they they don't have two guys in a row on that line who are like, oh yes, okay, I, I trust these two together. So but Avila's been good uh relative to rookie uh offensive line performances over the past uh, few years and relative to this class. So Byron Young, impressive speed rusher. I think it kind of maybe takes someone like Dallas Turner off of the just off of the board for the Rams, if they feel like they're going to go a little bit heavier, you know, more dense, longer, bigger player at pass rusher opposite him for the future, they can kind of, you know, rely on Byron Young to be the, the undersized, like explosive drop into coverage rusher. Kobe Turner has been a menace. Uh, Wake Forest defensive lineman picked in the third round. He's been impressive. Obviously you land Puka Nakua in the fifth at 177 really nice there uh trey tomlinson corner of tcu the undersized like slot guy 
was a sixth round pick. He's made some some uh, impressive plays this year. O'Shawn Mathis will be interesting, right? TCU turned Nebraska. He was a sixth round pick as well. I mean, with with what they had to work with, you know, picking at thirty six to start the draft, I think they did a pretty solid job. I think they deserve to be mentioned here as well. And I think the last team, no, I think that's it actually. Yeah. So yeah, I mentioned Texans, Packers, Steelers, Colts, Seahawks, and Rams to this point. I think have been impressive i think there are others that you could maybe mention in here but i think just overall that's those are the teams where you look at that and you go yeah those those classes have made it obviously detroit right you get gibbs laporta and branch that matters to your offense so they should have been mentioned but we know like those three everybody was pretty much on board with those three just maybe not gibbs at at 12 i wasn't the biggest fan of campbell in the first, just because I thought they needed help at corner. They're struggling right now in the secondary on defense as a whole. Like they needed some more help there and they didn't get it. Uh, other than that, though, I don't think there's a lot to me. You know, the Bears have had some guys that have, you know, made some impacts. Stevenson, Dexter, Darnell Wright's played a lot of snaps. Roshan's coming along. Like that could be a team you mentioned there as well. But other than that, I feel like it's pretty, that's pretty much it. So uh, we'll take. A quick break uh, from here, and then we will dive into the Brugler mock and then uh, just some players to keep an eye on from a draft perspective on conference championship weekend. All right, back here on It's Always Draft Season. So, Dane Brugler, first mock draft of the cycle. Very exciting. Uh, obviously using the current order, right? So if you know what the current order is, uh, great. If you don't know what the current order is, I encourage you to pick it up. I'm not going to go through every pick in this. Obviously, we're going to go over the Packers pick because I think it's interesting. But overall, I would pull up the order if you can. Tankathon, NFL draft order. If you search that, that is the best way to find the order. That is the current order right now. So, a few things to look at. I think the first thing to bring up is the first nine picks are all offense. And I think that reflects what this class is going to be. Now, I do think there are plenty of defensive players that will go in the first. But offense is going to be dominated. It's going to be dominated by QB. It's going to be dominated by receivers. It's going to be dominated by offensive tackle. Period. That's what this draft class looks like right now. And I think... When you look at it, it makes sense, these first nine. So we'll go through the first nine picks because I mentioned it, right? Bears from Carolina go Caleb Williams out of USC. So moving on from Justin Fields, it seems like that's where everybody is leaning at this point. So they go Caleb Williams. Arizona at two goes Marvin Harrison Jr. They stick with Kyler Murray just because I think that contract is insane. And it's it's been described as un, untradeable. So I don't know if they're going to really go the QB route or not. I think they go O-line or receiver, right, just based on the talent there, even if they trade back out of two. The Patriots take Drake May, which makes sense. They got to they gotta inject something into this team, this organization. It's not great. The Bears back up at four. They take Joe Alt, which makes sense. Uh, Braxton Jones becomes your swing tackle. That's fine. I don't think you have to. They they could go receiver, I guess, if they want to take neighbors. Uh, but it just seems like Joe Alt is the more sensible selection, especially because I think you can go Alter for Shanu, and I think you're going to get that type of franchise left tackle. So Washington Commanders they take Olufashanu at five. Those feel like a consensus top five. Giants go Malik Neighbors, right? They maybe miss out on QB. I think he is wide receiver two right now. I know there's a lot of Keon Coleman love. I I like, don't love Keon Coleman. I think there's still a lot that he has to work on uh, in terms of building consistency as a three-phase player. Now, Malik Neighbors, I think, needs to build consistency pre-catch, especially with like his stems getting really wide. So he has to he has to be better on that count, but like feel versus zone, explosiveness, uh, 
you know, catch point skill set, tracking skill set, yak skill set. It's all there to be just a dynamic playmaker. And we've seen guys like this. We've seen these bigger. He's not super big, but we've seen these guys who, you know, are built explosive, can win the catch point, but have, have just really tremendous feel. And that comes from pre-catch and post-catch feel. Like, we've seen those guys. We've seen the DJ Moores, the AJ Browns, like this, the Debo Samuels, this feels like that. It would be a strange thing to see him miss. But the Giants go there. Uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers take QB3 Jaden Daniels off the board. He has become that. He has worked his way into the top 10. It shouldn't be surprising. We've talked about him. If you were on Derailed, right, if you've been listening to that show, kind of been talking about this for a while. And it, it was great to see it kind of come to fruition to this point. Um, and here he is. So Tampa Bay going QB I think makes sense. Baker and Trask feels like this never-ending wheel of mediocrity that they could churn out. So makes sense. Here we go. For those who had the Jets picking before the Packers, you geniuses. Here they are, right? And I think, obviously, it's driven by a Rodgers injury. But here we are nonetheless, right? So the Jets go Brock Bowers tight end from Georgia. Will they pass an O-line? just seems like they will um I think if they don't get one of the top two it's going to be hard to you know look at what's available right you have JC Latham you have Taliesa Fuaga those are right tackles probably not left tackles would you take a, a right tackle in the top 10 I don't know but I think Brock Bowers makes the Jets really interesting with Garrett Wilson with Brees Hall very fun there the Chargers do take JC Latham I think they have the ability to do so I think right tackle is a serious need for them. So if they want to address it early, they can. They could They could be the first team to take defense, though. But that will be the last one there. Those are the first nine going uh, you know, offense, which I think, again, like I said, it makes sense. It, it really does. Um, so I think anything else that's really interesting to me, maybe Nate Wiggins uh, as the first corner off the board. I think he's earned it. I think he's as fluid and, and coverage as anybody. Uh, he's got great speed, impressive length, and Dane Brugger highlights it. He's really sudden, and that shows up. It showed up against Keon Coleman when they played. It's really showed up against everybody he's played against so far this year. So him slightly moving into that cornerback one conversation I think is is very clear, especially Maybe for some, depending on how you view Cooper DeGene, who we'll talk about in a little bit, but like he has moved into there. I, I guess I should just uh, highlight the first defensive player off the board, Dallas Turner, edge rusher from Alabama. I think if you said this to me back in May, I would have been like, ah, that's interesting. So he must have taken a leap, which he has. I, I think he, he has continued to improve. He looks like he has more than one move as a pass rusher. He looks like he is playing with better leverage and strength and anchoring skill set against the run, even for a smaller guy on the edge. But he's going to win with plenty of athleticism, plenty of flexibility. You know, he, he has that kind of package to him as, as a pass rusher that that's going to be enticing for teams. So let's get to the Packers pick. Of course, it's Terry and Arnold, right? Uh, corner from Alabama. Maybe not the corner from Alabama you were expecting to hear called at pick 13. Uh, Dane Brugler puts this in here, okay? He puts this in here, and he's correct. So I want to read this, right? The Packers cornerback situation has been in flux, making a position that organization might look to upgrade this offseason. Absolutely. Green Bay prioritizes athletic traits and competitiveness, which is why Arnold is the pick here, despite some undisciplined tendencies. He does kind of take some chances. You look at that like a like a Trayvon Diggs, like a Deron Bland in in in. Dallas, where you're going to get burned sometimes, but other times you're going to be right, and you're going to make impact plays. He definitely does that. I think he's really good in match and passing off principles in, in zone coverage, which is really strong to see. And I, I like it. You know, size, athleticism, length, it's all there. I, I think it's interesting for sure. Um, so, and then this last sentence is, Arnold will be ranked higher on some draft boards than his Alabama teammate, Kool-Aid McKinstry, which I think is possible. I think, you know, you've seen the Arnold rise. Uh, Brugler had him in his first top 50 and he's already risen up to 13. That's very interesting to, to note even before draft season for most really begins. So there you go. Terry and Arnold going to the Packers at 13, I think was very interesting. I think the Bengals 
going Roma Dunze is interesting because I think D Higgins does depart. Uh, but a Dunze and chase, I think might even be better than Higgins chase. I'll be honest. I do think the Bengals will need to consider O-line. And I think a lot of teams are going to. And I think this is important to talk about O-line because you look at Latham, who goes nine. You look at Amarius Mims, who goes 16 to Buffalo. Okay, like you look at Tyler Guyton, tackle from Oklahoma, who's a big dude, 6'6", 320, great movement skills, you know, a ton of power. And, and, and he goes 21st to Indy. Would Indy do that? Maybe not. I think I think... You know, Ballard has has loved trench players, but he's often been swinging on traits and athleticism later in the draft. He, they they have Freeland in tow as a developmental guy. They could go this route. They, they could go the Fuaga route as well. But you see this, right? Now there's five gone in 21 picks. The next on the list, Troy Fautanu from Washington, tackler guard. I think he could. The teams are going to look at both for him. He goes to Miami at 25. There is O lineman number six, right? Six, yeah. O lineman number six. Then Bar- Graham Barton from Duke, who's probably going to move inside. O line number seven and 26 picks. Then we get to it at the end here. Kansas City goes Patrick Paul, elite pass protector. They need elite pass protectors in Kansas City. That's O lineman eight, right? And then Fuaga, O-lineman 9 to the Niners. Uh, a bigger dude at tackle, right, who has the ability to play in zone as a run blocker. He has shown that ability. And then you get the Eagles going O-line. So the Eagles going O-line, I gotta, I'm going to recount, but it was three in the top ten. You had four go to Buffalo, right? That was O-lineman four goes there. Alignment five was Guyton. Six, Fatanu, seven, eight, nine. Yeah, so 10 and 32 picks. Kingsley Suamataya from BYU goes to Philly. They can prioritize, you know, just more in the trenches, right? Like they can do that. That's not surprising at all. So 10 alignment in, in, in 32 picks. It's something that could easily happen. We've seen the level of O line play, it's been a struggle. Who has not? Who has struggled because of their O line play? The Giants, for one, have been a. Have, Evan Neal has not figured it out, folks. John Michael Schmitz has not done well, right? The Jets have have had just it, it caused an Aaron Rodgers injury partially. You know, it's partially on Aaron, of course, but the O line is not good. Tennessee's O line hasn't been good, right? Arizona took Paris Johnson, but I still don't think they're doing very well, right? Baltimore's had their warts a little bit. Buffalo's definitely had theirs. Torrance has played well, but Spencer Brown has not. That's why they got Brugger's got him taking Amarius Mims. Carolina, goodness sakes, it's bad. Chicago, it's been better, but it's not perfect. Bengals, they're they're having a problem. Cleveland it tackles an issue. Denver paid two guys that stink. Uh Detroit's fine. I think Green Bay needs a left tackle, but I think they're okay. Houston interior stinks. They just had Burglar has Indy going tackle. Jacksonville, like Cam Robinson, struggled to stay healthy. Anton Harrison's been fine. The Chiefs need two tackles. The Vegas Raiders are not good at that position at all. The Chargers need a right tackle. The Rams could use tackles. I'm going right down the list. Miami needs help. Minnesota on the interior. New England could go it. Like the the Saints could easily go left tackle. Like wouldn't shock me one bit. We've talked about the Giants already and the Jets. Philly always stacks it anyway. Pittsburgh could probably go tackle again if they wanted to. The Niners need to re, you know, reload the cupboard. Seattle could probably go more on the cupboard on the interior. Like in Washington, they had them upgrade. Like it's 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 all over the league. Like this is not going away. We are going to see so many O linemen go off the board early because it's a talented class. Not everyone's going to hit, obviously, but it's it's going to be a lot of early swings and. I think that's the most important thing to take away from this mock draft is Booger already sees it. And if you want this, O-Lyman 11 goes 33rd to the Panthers. He he picked for the Panthers and Browns. He picks Jordan Morgan, who is a fifth-year offensive tackle from Arizona, going right to Carolina at 33. That's 11 and 33 picks. One out of every three picks is O-Line. Don't be shocked, folks. I think that's what we're going to see. A lot of it. So that's, I, I just think that, you know, this is a really good thing, right? The NFL needs that influx of talent, and, and maybe the 2024 draft will save it. Um, 
if there were any other interesting picks, I, I think there are a few. Right, let's I'm gonna go through twenty two, twenty three, and twenty four here, and then we'll call it and we'll go get to the uh portion of the uh show where we go through the matchups of conference weekend. JJ McCarthy going twenty two to Seattle. I, I just think there's a lot of arm talent and athleticism and tools to work with where he's probably gonna go in the first. Um JJ obviously on this network does not like McCarthy at all. You cannot like him, but well, you might also recognize that he's probably going in the first. Like that's that's probably gonna be a thing. I don't see it going away. Seattle might have the infrastructure to do this, right? They they could easily go QB. They were linked to Levis and Richardson. So not impossible there at all. Uh the Steelers going Brian Thomas Jr. Again, Brian Thomas Jr., the other receiver from LSU, a thousand yard receiver at 15 touchdowns. 6'4, 205. Size. Linear speed and explosiveness, leaping ability, and catch point wins. That's that's how Brian Thomas plays, and he is a very linear athlete. But he's 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 loose and flexible after the catch. He's got some shake to him, and he if he makes you miss in that in that tight area, he has the acceleration to then rip off some big chunk plays after the catch. So it's interesting. He says the way things are going with Deontay Johnson is is time in Pittsburgh might be limited. That's interesting. Uh, would anyone trade for him? maybe but you know you got to be a good contender like you can't be carolina and saying yeah let's go get him no no you got to go get the higgins you got to get the guys who are free agents don't trade for anybody um but brian thomas and george pickens really creates a more vertical offense and if they're going to let kenny pickett do what he did on sunday uh against cincinnati ripping the seam balls to, to pat fryermuth more maybe the offense gets more vertical and you have two guys in Thomas and Pickens who can go win the ball in the air. Very interesting. I, that's that's. I don't know if Pittsburgh fans are going to love that. Then Houston Texans taking Cooper to Gene. Uh, you, you're a playoff team and you get Cooper to Gene. I think that's pretty good. I think the secondary needs him, but it, it's it gives it gives D'Amico Ryan's a player he can just move around. And I know that the Gene played corner pretty much exclusively this year. But if you look at like how impactful he was as a box defender, as a slot corner, as a safety last year, I think it gives you just a world of possibilities to move around a defense and, and make plays. He might be in the mold of of the the he's not as big and as long as Kyle Hamilton, but he might be able to do some similar things with that versatility. So there you go. Some of the things from Brugler's mock that I found very interesting uh, did have, you know, not as many receivers going. And I think that speaks to the depth. I think a lot of teams might not force the issue there because O-line is more valuable, right? So there you go. Uh, let's get to the five power five championship games. Uh, you know, if we want to talk about other ones, we might at some point, but not now. Uh, Oregon, Washington. Let's start with that. Obviously, you're you're that when you're hearing this, the game's probably soon to be underway. Obviously, Bo Nix and Michael Penix are are going to be under the microscope. Two guys who go to the Senior Bowl potentially, two guys who have fantastic seasons. Nix is either first or second on your Heisman ballot, depending on who you talk to. He's been executing the offense at a high level. He's precise. He's been efficient. He's doing everything he can to will this Oregon team to a playoff berth. Then you have Penix, who's the dart thrower, the assassin almost from from everywhere around the field which is really fun to watch obviously you have Roma Dunze in this game who's just an absolute stud uh he's dominating in yards per route run explosive great size fluid great route runner has all has the tree just pretty much down down pat and, and can be trusted with tracking skills and above the rim uh throws so you have that connection who's going to be you know very impactful in this game of course, of course, you have for Washington, Braylon Trice, who has moved into some first-round mocks for some, who has moved up PFF's big board big time, 6'4", 274. We've talked about him before. He's got 64 pressures this year, 64 pressures, right? That's insane. Uh, just six sacks, but the pass rush grade, 891 last year, 89.8 this year, 134 pressures in two years. That's, that's nearing Will Anderson territory. It might have even passed him. I don't remember exactly what the number is. If Anderson was at like 140, it's possible. But, boy, he's close. 
Problem is he doesn't tackle. He plays a little reckless. But he's going to have chances tonight uh, against this Oregon front. Had five pressures against Oregon in the last meeting. But I think he needs to play disciplined as a run defender. And he's a little bit inconsistent in that regard. If he can show up big on the stage tonight, he'll he'll maybe earn himself one more chance under the microscope as well. Um, even if they lose, I hope he gets one more chance because I think Washington should be in even if they lose. I think the Pac-12 has somehow been screwed in the strength of schedule thing. I don't care uh, for it at all. But anyway, Braylon tries somebody you should definitely be watching. Uh, Brandon Dorless as well. This is going to be like the hybrid... Like, okay, where do we play him? Player at like 6'3", 290. Got 42 pressures and four sacks this year. 16 run stops. Like I said, it'll be interesting, the alignment. And he has played, at least according to PFF, he's played like both defensive tackle spots and both defensive end spots. So he's interesting because he's bigger and longer and has some, some explosiveness to him. Uh, the grades aren't as good as somebody like Trice, but intriguing nonetheless. We've talked a little bit about Kyrie Jackson, 6'3", 195, if you missed uh, Derailed. We mentioned him briefly just with the size and speed and the potential to kind of climb the ranks at corner. He's obviously going to be matched up with Adunze quite a bit tonight, maybe even a little bit of Jalen Polk if they're if he's playing. I don't know if McMillan is. It seems like McMillan's been out most of the year, but two guys who you got to keep your eye on for sure. And I think the other one to keep an eye on, like genuinely, is, um, well, for one, Jackson Powers Johnson, uh, the center for Oregon, who's been really good, 6'3", 320, uh, has a 91 pass blocking grade this year. And, you know, I, I think he is probably in center one conversation. The grades were really good last year. He's allowed three pressures in two years. Uh He's every snap's been at center this year. Last year it was mostly at right guard, so he's got some interior flexibility. But like we've talked a lot about Cedric Van Pran. I think he's been solid, um, not great. There's been some inconsistencies. We've talked about Zach Frazier before, but Jackson Bowers Johnson, he might be making that move to uh center one in this class. The other guy to watch for, I he's got probably more eligibility, I imagine, but Dylan Johnson from from Washington, the running back, like six foot two eighteen, average five and a half a carry this year, has twelve touchdowns. He's been he's been pretty good. Like he has forced thirty five missed tackles. Uh, that's almost double from last year when he was at Mississippi State. Like he has put together a strong year, and and they've leaned on him a lot. And you know, had a two hundred fifty six yard game and four touchdown game on almost ten yards of carry against USC, uh, hundred yards against Utah, hundred yards against Oregon in the last meeting. So he could be pretty impactful tonight. We'll see if he is somebody who declares. Uh, let's move on to uh, Texas and Oklahoma State. Texas has some dudes up and down the, the offensive line. Uh, they've got five fifth-year seniors. Um, so there's a lot of experience there. They're going up against uh, Byron Murphy and Tavondre Sweat and company. Tavondre Sweat's been dominant with nose tackle size and the pass rush skill set of, of more of a true three-tech. He's been exciting. Byron Murphy's also going down in the Senior Bowl. He's been exciting as a prospect as well. That's really the matchup to watch. Uh, if you want to watch a singular player, uh, Jade Barron, I think is how you pro probably pronounce the name. He's 5'11", 192, sort of a slot corner, I think is, is extremely intriguing. Uh, he's going down in the Senior Bowl as well. He'll get a chance to kind of cover the best of the best. Just allowed a 63.8 passer rating in coverage. That's pretty good. One interception, two PBUs on the year. And like I said, he's been mostly in the slot and in the box. And a combined, what is that? 440 snaps. So, again, slot defender. Green Bay, obviously looking for slot defenders. He's he's just one to take, an, uh, to take a look at uh, tomorrow in that Texas-Oklahoma State game. When you go to Louisville and FSU, Florida State. Right, I think a lot of attention obviously falls on a player like Jared Verse, right? Everybody's watching him. He's been under the microscope this year. It's been a little bit down in terms of defending the run this year. The tackling's gotten a little bit better. It's still not great. He's still missing tackles at a pretty pretty significant rate. 
Uh, but another eight-sack season and, and closing in on 50 pressures, 49 right now this season. He kind of took over the Florida game uh, last week and really cemented that at eight pressures and three sacks in that game. Uh, I think he could do it again this week, so be watching for that. He's still, he's still I, I think, got a chance to be the first edge rusher off the board. It's just going to be a matter of scheme, I think. The guy to watch, though, I think in this game that really hasn't been mentioned a ton is Ashton Gilotti. I think that may be how you pronounce the last name, but he, he, number nine, six three two seventy is an edge rusher. Like if Goody wants more edge rushers, this might be the dude to watch for. Fifty eight pressures, nine sacks this year, a uh, pass rush grade of eighty, uh, has twenty seven run stops. Like dude's pretty good. Like I'm going to be watching him heavily in this one, just because I haven't got a ton of eyes on him. But like he is, he has jumped. Uh, his best game was against Virginia Tech, but. I think he he has a chance to to kind of stamp his name in this this edge rusher conversation. There's still a lot of like what the second tier and third tier kind of look like. I think he could be a part of that for sure. On the offensive side for Louisville, obviously we know about Keon Coleman and Johnny Wilson. I don't think there's a whole lot to say else on those guys. But I think there is something to talk about with Jamari Thrash, wide receiver from Louisville. He's going down to the senior bowl currently at 6'1", 225. Or not 220, sorry. Scratch that six one one eighty five, um, so a little bit a little bit lighter. He has fifty six for seven ninety eight and six this year. Obviously transferred over from Georgia State, where he had eleven hundred yards and seven touchdowns uh, last season. He's he's fluid. He's explosive. He's got two point five two yards per route run this year. Uh, a dynamo after the catch. I'd be excited to see it. He's only had two games over a hundred yards this year, but he he has definitely been. Uh, important in big games for this Louisville team. So I'm excited to see how he handles it. You know, he only had one catch for seven yards against Miami. I think this will be maybe his best uh, competition he's faced. So I'm excited to see how he handles that. Then you've got Jawar Jordan at running back. He's going to be that undersized change of pace, scat back type, but boy, he's looked, he's looked really good and he can kind of erase some angles. He can adjust his, his, his track without losing speed. Like he is somebody who, is on the day three radar for sure. Uh, we'll keep moving on here. Michigan and Iowa. Chris Jenkins is obviously, you know, an impactful run defender. Uh, he'll be lining up, obviously, a lot against Connor Colby, who is somebody that was mentioned a lot in the summer. 6'6", guard. He's just been a little more inconsistent. The pass blocking hasn't been, like, the best this year. Um he's had some really good games against Wisconsin, Northwestern Rutgers and Illinois in terms of pass protection. His worst game of pass protection was against Minnesota, which is weird. Um, this is a big test for him. I don't know if he's going to declare. He seems like somebody who wouldn't, he's a junior to this point. Uh, Mason Richmond also along that offensive line, it's possible. Neither declare the real matchup though. I would say in this one that, that I am thrilled to kind of sit down and watch Roman Wilson, six foot one ninety two, slot receiver for Michigan, who's had a really nice year, uh, and has proven that I think he can be a really strong slot threat at the next level. Had nine for one forty three. That's his best game this year against Purdue. Obviously, you know, caught a touchdown in the Ohio State game. He's going up against. I, I think he's a pretty detailed route runner. He's tough uh, through the catch point. But Sebastian Castro, who's somebody who I mentioned on the, on one of the live shows. Uh, the slot guy from from Iowa, 5'11", 205. Has a 90.5 coverage grade this year. He's been exceptionally consistent as a player in coverage to this point. Uh, just allowing a 38.9 passer rating in coverage, three interceptions, six PBUs so far this season. Like That's the one to watch. Uh, that's the matchup. That's like genuinely the matchup that, that you want to kind of get your eyes on. Um, on conference championship weekend, personally, like that's that's the one. If there's, yeah, if there's anything else, let me know what it is. Right, like that's it. Yeah. So, other than that matchup, I don't think there's another matchup to look at in this game. However, Mike Sainer still is the other. Like this is a game of like, okay, these two slot defenders are super super good. Sainer still's a little smaller at five ten one eighty two, but we've seen really competitive, tough, fluid guys work in the slot no matter their size 
uh, his grades aren't up to snuff maybe with, you know, with Castro. But he's allowed a 69.7 passer rating in coverage. He's really not, you know, he's tough. He is somebody who can do a lot of different things. He can blitz. Uh, you know, he's a really good. He's been a really good tackler this year. So, and he's had he's had five interceptions and five pass breakups this year. He had six pass breakups last season, just one pick. But the ball's kind of you know fallen his way a little bit more this year, which is really cool to see. But like he, he's a competitor. As is Rod Moore, who had the game ceiling pick last week. Hasn't had quite the season he had last year. He's coming off of injury. Last year he was uh, in eight in the eighties in every um, category except pass rush, which I'm not really concerned about for safety. But like, I really don't. He's a leader. He needs. He's in, he's in the spot where he needs to be on almost every play. And to me, like he he can still be in at least the safety two conversation, if not safety one. Like that's that's how how enthralled with him I was last year. And like, again, worked back from injury hasn't really hit his stride this year. I'm not as concerned. I, I, the 2022 tape, I'm in love with that tape. I think he's, he can be exceptional. Uh, Ladarius Henderson at tackle for Michigan state or for Michigan. I mean, sorry, why did I say Michigan state? No idea. He moved over to left tackle. Very interesting move for him. He has six, four, three fifteen, So he, he's, he's got the build for it. Uh, but at Arizona State, he played a lot of left guard and right guard, especially left guard, over 1,100 snaps there uh, in his uh, last two seasons. But he moves over to the left tackle, has played 458 snaps there. The grades haven't been good. Probably going to be a senior bowl guy, though. That, that's worth worth monitoring in this game. Now, last on the list, of course, Bama and Georgia. And then we're going to get out of here. Jermaine Burton and Kamari Lasseter. Jermaine Burton has faded out in terms of big plays. He was supposed to break out last year. Didn't really do that. Obviously came over from Georgia to Bama, but looks really good. And Kamari Lasseter is a tough son of a gun out there on the uh, on the perimeter. Those two going head-to-head is going to be really, really fun. As is Lad McConkey, who's got pretty good explosiveness, reliable playmaker, and a really strong route runner too. McConkey's legit, uh, and he's going up against Kool-Aid and Terry and Arnold on the perimeter. Like two really, really good perimeter matchups in this game where I'm going to be, you know, probably just pouring over the film, looking at both of these guys, really all five of these guys uh, after this Bama-Georgia game, just looking, all right, how detailed was McConkie in his plan of attack? How how did, did Arnold or Kool-Aid, one of the two, find a way to stop him and what was that way? Like there, there's so much that I want to see from that. And then, of course, the... Really, the matchup in the trenches, Marius Mims ha- has come back pretty strong. He he is he's getting there right to the point where like again he finishes strong. He's going to be in plenty of conversation right for okay. Is he going to declare or not? Right, the right tackle from from Georgia, ex- exceptional size, right six seven three forty, exceptional movement skills. Would love to see him be more of a finisher in in space, but like the movement skills are exceptional. For this guy, I uh, had an 80 pass blocking grade last year. It's 78.2 this year. Uh, just, I believe, had his best game of the season. Yes, last week against Georgia Tech, which obviously, you know, that's that's not ideal, right? But had a pretty solid game against Ole Miss and South Carolina as well. Bama, tough test, right? An improved Dallas Turner, Chris Braswell, who has a plenty of pressures to his name this year. I think Braswell is going to be firmly in top. 60 maybe in 50 conversation by draft day like he's gonna have one of the two on him every snap it's the litmus test for him it's a litmus test for jc latham as well who's been a little more inconsistent this year i would i had high hopes for him he was my tackle too coming into the year he is not anymore but i, I want to see how he fares as well at right tackle this week and javon bullard in the in the slot again not to keep bringing up slot defenders but like green bay hey you need some, right? Like this is kind of this is kind of what we need to be looking. Uh and and 87.8 coverage grade. Bullard in the slot, 511, 195. Like he has allowed just a 35.3 passer rating in coverage. Like that is really, really good. And he he doesn't like he just has two picks, right? Where you have Castro who's done really well in the slot for Iowa, Bullard, and then Saner still like should be watching and, and Barron too for Texas. So slot defender weekend. Watch them all, right? Like that's gonna be uh, important um, 
just from a draft evaluation standpoint, but a lot of great matchups, especially at wide receiver corner this weekend that, that I'm going to be paying attention to a lot. So maybe just under the hour mark here, I will get out of here. Uh, well, the live stream probably will be done by the time you're, you're, you're done listening to this. Uh, but it'll be on Friday nights and I'll have those. You can follow me at Jake NFL draft. And if you have questions about the draft, about prospects, you know, we're going to be start, we're going to start digging into the senior bowl guys a lot for next week and in throughout December. So that's going to be something, you know, you want to tune in for, and we'll have obviously a lot of team analysis as well. So I will get out of here. Enjoy your Friday. Enjoy conference championship weekend. Enjoy Sunday night football against the chiefs Packers fans. And I will see you guys next week, hopefully twice. Take it easy. everybody.